there's so much uh, research on this uh, in, you know, like on Mayo Clinic's website, WebMD uh, headline on all the scientifically proven benefits of orgasm because of exactly that, the hormones, it releases oxytocin, endorphins, and, and it helps not just with uh, improved uh, mental health, which obviously it does, but improved immunity. So it makes you healthier and less likely to get ill, um, improved sleep, improved mm-hmm. uh, mental health. So there's just so many uh, true clinically proven benefits to orgasm. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. So welcome to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Maya Acosta, and we are going to discuss various topics related to female health. Before I introduce today's topic, I want to give you a heads up, okay? So we'll be discussing female sexual disorders and how vibrators can be used as a medical device to help enhance sexual health. So if this is a topic that is triggering for you, I will ask that you skip this episode and check out my Thursday health tips where I discuss tips associated with the pillars of lifestyle medicine. However, it is a very important topic and I want to help normalize these conversations. So if you think you're comfortable with it, please tune in because in today's episode, we will be exploring the impact of sexual disorders on women's health and well-being and how vibrators can be used as a therapeutic tool. And we are excited to have Dr. Zoom, the co-founder founder of Mystery Vive join us today to share his experience on this topic. Mystery Vive is a leading sexual wellness brand that is changing the way people think about sex toys and vibrators. With years of experience in sexual wellness industry, Dr. Sum is here to share his insights and topics on the topic of women's sexual health. And as always, the full bio and the links for each of my guests can be found on the website healthylifestylesolutions.org. And welcome, Dr. Sum. Thank you so much for having me and for the introduction. Yes. And I want to actually make sure that I pronounce your name correctly. So would you just kind of um, introduce yourself a little bit more, say a little bit more with my listeners about how you even got involved with Mystery Vibe? Yes, absolutely. Um, my name, very easy, Som. That's it. Som. So my full name, Somyadeep. Uh, is a combination of two words in Sanskrit. Somya means calm and deep means light is because my mom wanted to call me Somya and my dad wanted to call me deep and they couldn't agree. And they said, okay, let's just call him two names. So that's why I have a long name. Uh, but I've been Som ever since really. So my background is biomedical engineering. So that's what I did my PhD in. And this is 20 years ago. Back then it was working on eyes with ophthalmologists and, but in biomedical generally, the work is very much, um, it's bringing engineering into medicine. So um, once we sold that business, which is back in 2009, uh, then we, and, and I'm talking about my other co-founders as well, uh, we really wanted to do something again in biomedical. Um, and the topic that kept coming up was uh, life events like childbirth, menopause, um, aging-related issues, uh, post-cancer recovery, post-chemotherapy, arousal, uh, dryness issues, uh, pain uh, after childbirth, all of these things uh, affected um, intimacy and sex life massively for everyone. There were no ex- exceptions. And uh, and these are things that happen as a matter of time. You know, menopause is unavoidable after 50 uh, or even earlier. Um, erectile dysfunction, most men will have it as they age uh, to a certain degree. Um, cancer. In like prostate cancer, one in seven men will have it, uh, cervix cancer, um, cervical um, breast cancer. When you think of the recovery, uh, a lot of it um, is focused obviously on longevity of life. You, you know, let's get rid of the cancer and you can live longer. But what is often missed out is the quality of life. Is uh, same, uh, say chemotherapy gets rid of the cancer, but maybe you can't feel aroused or 
you you get dry and maybe you're only you know 40 years old or 50 years old or you know like not someone in who is 100 and doesn't care about their sex life anymore and and that's where we come in in the sense that how can we create devices which are very much driven by clinical research vibration frequencies which are created to uh, increase blood flow and create devices which bend and adapt to the body to deliver the right frequencies at the right points to whether it's to alleviate pain to improve dryness improve erection whatever that issue is that we're trying to address the fundamental is always the same is the right frequency at the right point and so you've taken your background, like you said, um, in engineering to solve, really to use the technology to solve medical problems in some sense. And you've pinpointed uh, the struggles that women endure. I became interested in this topic now that I'm more involved in women's health issues. When I interviewed an OB-GYN, a gynecologist who works with people, um, w- women who are premenopausal, perimenopausal, Either they're going to menopause or they're, you know, gone through the phase and have faced some of these issues that you've um, just addressed, which like vaginal dryness and things like that. And she spoke about using a vibrator to help alleviate. And that was the first time that I ever heard of this. Another thing that really surprised me is that 50 percent of women over 50 years old are sexual which means that as we age, we're dropping off. <laughs> we're, we're becoming less sexual because of libido and probably all the other complications, vaginal dryness and all that. As I was yep. preparing for this conversation, Dr. Sam, I went ahead and I pulled up some stats that I'd like for you then to kind of um, expand a little bit about when we're talking about women's sexual health. I'm, so I found that uh, female sexual dysfunction, and I don't know if that's sort of like a large category, yep. but there was a review of 43 studies that found that uh, this female sexual dysfunction affects about 43% of women in the general population uh, with rates increasing among menopausal and postmenopausal women. And there are other things that affect women, like the hypoactive sexual desire disorder or maybe losing interest. So if you'd like to sort of address some of those yes. uh, things yeah. that we're talking about. So um, beyond what, uh, let's say, you know, someone has um, in the early years, a lot of the issues uh, in sexual health happen after childbirth, uh, just because it is such a, uh, in a way, traumatic event uh, for the body, um, and especially with natural childbirth, there'll very likely be vaginal scar tissues, which means the vagina expands and contracts in order to pass the baby through, and um, that would lead to pain in many cases. Um, in some cases, you know, they might heal naturally, but uh, what we see is fifty percent of mums after two years still have pelvic pain. And that is not normal. Yeah. Uh, what should happen ideally is um, whenever they feel uh, comfortable a few weeks or a couple of a month after childbirth to go see a pelvic floor therapist who would examine and uh, um, massage the pelvic floor. And this is where the vibrators become really essential. And this is what we designed as our first product nine years ago. Um, it's a device that uh, mimics two fingers, bends to uh, reach exact points on the vaginal wall to deliver vibrations where you need them. The, so the therapist can do that, but also, and this is the most important bit, hand it then to the patient to take home to then do it on themselves as many times or whenever they can. Because the biggest challenge, especially for new moms, is time. Um, they really don't have time to go to a therapist, which might be a two to three hour thing, you know, going there, having the appointment, coming back. Um, but equally, it's not cheap. And having that every week might end up costing thousands of dollars uh, over six to 12 months. So so we got together with pelvic floor therapists um, to create this device, and uh, which, you know, now has been around for a long time and then go through clinical trials and perfect it. Uh, and that's what uh, the OBGYNs use now for um, pelvic floor. So just uh, as, a, as a wider topic. So that's where um, a lot of the sexual health issues start. 
Uh, and as you can imagine, if 50% of mums after childbirth, after two years, still have pelvic pain, that itself is a massive number because probably 60% or 70% of adult females will have one or more child or children. Then again, with aging, it will only get the, the uh, sexual health issues, sexual dysfunction generally will only add up uh, with menopause, with the lack of uh, hormones, which would normally create arousal and wetness um, without going through HRT. And maybe even then it's not enough to recreate the uh, natural lubric lubrication. So that's where having access to good lubricants, good vibrators, which are medically designed, is really key because otherwise it's very easy to give up on your sex life just from fear of pain and 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 even beyond sex life just having pain throughout the day from having uh dryness right and that's even if you don't care about having a sex maybe you know you're single and you're not looking for uh improving your sex life even for yourself as a individual uh, alleviating that pain is essential so that's why so one of the big conferences we go to every year is nams north, Man north american menopause society and um, we are happy just to be able to talk to people because it is shocking how many uh, women in their 50s or 60s who come there who have never ever heard of or considered a loop such a simple thing you know it costs five dollars for a small bottle um, it's so cost effective. Uh, it's a medical product. Obviously, it's regulated by FDA. And that one small thing can change their bedroom completely. Right. And, and that's, that's really our ultimate goal is bring awareness to people about solutions that are simple and exist. Um, and that they can do in their own privacy in a very discreet way. Um, and, and when we do and, you know, we keep in touch with, all the people who buy our products and we ask them for feedback and they normally the feedback is this has completely changed my relationship um, with my partner. And that's the overall goal. You know, when we started this uh, nine years ago, the goal was how can we help couples in long-term relationships keep that mystery in the bedroom, uh, especially after something major happens to, to them. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's, even though that's the factual, sorry, that's the established number, I am sure that number is much bigger. The statistic is much higher because most sexual health issues go unreported. People just don't talk about it. Right. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I was running this topic by a listener of mine thinking, well, we're both adults. The individual is actually older, a little older than myself. And uh, I thought, well, what do you think about this being that it could be used as a medical device to support? Now, this person is on HRT and she immediately shut down, didn't want to hear more about it, was repulsed by the whole idea and then went on to talk about her faith. and. That would not allow that. Her faith would not allow for the, this even uh, to contemplate this idea. Um, and so it saddened me. And I think that's part of the reason why I want to help normalize these topics is that, you know, even women when they're in their younger years and are going through the whole menstrual experience of it, the cramping and, and spotting or whatever it is that we're, we're um, going through when we're young, we shy away also from telling people. It's It's almost like these things are happening in our body and we don't know how to have a safe conversation about it. Um, you're offering a resource that many shy away from because of the stigma. And maybe we can talk about that too. So for example, you mentioned lubes, the, the fact that many women are not aware that, you know, that maybe they should be using a lube. So lubes and, and vibrators have been associated with a different type of lifestyle and with other adult content and not necessarily as a way to facilitate as the body's transitioning from, you know, hormonally transitioning. What you do you want to talk to us about some of that stigma associated yes, with Yes, no, absolutely. And the reason we created uh, the brand the, the way we did is we the first thing you will see on our website is it's created by doctors, and by doctors I mean uh, our chief medical officer is the head of urology at King's College, which is the biggest hospital in UK. You know, we work with Dr. Rachel Rubin in DC, um, who's a leading urologist and she's given us so much feedback over 
the last five years on uh, constantly improving our products. Various menopause specialists, um, OBGYNs, pelvic floor therapists, and that's what constantly improves every single device uh, over the last nine years. And, and and that's the first thing we tell people is, yes, we want to make it fun. Yes, we want to you know make it very approachable and nice. We don't want it to be scary looking clinical devices, but fundamentally. These are FDA registered doctor created products. And that's the reason why we want you to try it. Right. So, so the, then that takes away the stigma of, uh, it's not a toy. If you want to use it as a toy, that's totally fine, but it's designed for very specific. Everything is designed for very specific sexual health issues. Then they go through medical trials. Then they get published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine, which is the most important journal in our field. And then doctors, you know, recommend it. So, so I think that is the best way we think to normalize it is to make it science based, right? Um, because then it's not about that's not about opinion, right? It's just facts. It's like this is science based. This has been created, gone through trials, been published, has FDA, and, you know, that's what it is. It's very tricky because, you know, if you think much wider in terms of the like the whole world, so my sister lives in Dubai, and if I try to talk about sex toys as a topic in Dubai, I'm pretty sure it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not something that we can change. I, I have no idea how we would be able to change that as a society, you know, where there's a fundamental belief in certain things. And it's not our position to change that because that's their belief system and, you know, we respect it. So, but even in a place like Dubai or Middle East, Middle East generally, if you go with this approach that these are medical devices, they're created by doctors, they go through trials, they're FDA, and then obviously whatever their local regulatory body is, then the doctors will be very happy to try it. And if they think it's effective, recommend it. So mm-hmm. to me, that is the way to normalize it. That's the easiest way to normalize it is based on science and going through it. And vibrator as a device was originally created by a doctor to replace uh, having to do it with his hand. Uh, and there's yes. a movie about it called Hysteria. Which talks Please tell about us it, about it. It's, and it's a I hate to interrupt. I it saw, is an after movie. Yeah. yeah, let me, I'll start over because I'm sorry I interrupted you. As soon as you said that, I, re- I saw the movie. I found it fascinating. So if you'd like to tell our listeners a little bit about that, uh, of how these kind of massages once took place and why developing the vibrator was important. I think I find it fascinating. It was, and it's such, it's well done. It's proper entertainment. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. it's basically a documentary, from what the movie says is obviously more than hundred years old, and I'm sure there's a little bit of storytelling. But um, often, uh, women, uh, as they got older and probably didn't have sex or orgasms for a long time, you know, they would be diagnosed with this thing called hysteria, you know, uh, which obviously didn't exist. There's no such thing um, in in that setting about um, a woman just being restless and, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, upset generally. And then this doctor figured out that all they needed was an orgasm. And then he made it into a very clinical thing. So it doesn't look like it's a sexual thing. And, uh, and, and then he would use his hands to stimulate them and give them orgasms. And then they'll be very happy. And they're like, Oh, you've cured hysteria. And then they'd be back every week. Uh, so, So the whole thing was hilarious. Uh, and then he, started to get a lot of hand pain like you know all his <laughs> muscles would ache and he was really struggling so he he had a engineer friend and he asked him can you make something which will automatically do this and and they got the steam engine and and a little piston and then all of that the contraption is very uh, scary looking contraption they built and that was the first uh, electromechanical vibrator um mm-hmm. and you know it worked and the patients 
were very happy with the machine and the doctor's hand was saved. So it's a hilarious movie, but it's, it is based on a true story. And that's how vibrators started. So vibrators actually started as a medical device. And even for the first 50 years of the 20th century, um, they were advertised on newspapers as therapeutic use. Um, so there are ads from New York Post or yeah, one of the you know old newspapers, printed newspapers, which showed vibrator ads with lots of benefits of using vibrators for health reasons. You know, like um, has a lady holding a cup of tea and is like, oh, after you finish a cup of tea, you should use a vibrator <laughs> in the morning <laughs> to have a great start to your day. <laughs> so well, I mean. Yeah. In many ways, that's not a bad idea because, again, you know, when we think of these devices, we always, and I'm generalizing, but we always think of someone else wanting to use the devices on ourselves. And in many ways, um, you know, of course, I checked out Mystery Vive, your website, and these devices are beautiful. They're non-threatening and, and they really are designed to be flexible and bendable and to shape to one's body so that you as a woman can take control of your health and use it in the best way let possible. Me, let, me, let me show you the one I was talking about because it's easier. So, okay. so you know, here, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so this literally matches two fingers. Yeah. In mm. width and in um, depth and is designed by pelvic floor therapist, literally mm -hmm. to bend. And then wow. you hold it and you deliver exactly, very precise. So there are six models, so it delivers very precise vibration frequencies around 100 hertz. And as a therapist, you can do that, or as a patient, you can do that, yeah, um, to yourself. And, and this is the same device that is also for arousal disorder. So the Crescendo device has two papers, one on pain relief and one on arousal. And the fundamental is very easy is how can we deliver the right frequencies at the right points, whether it's inside or outside. And because yeah. it's long, you can make it wow. very uh, specific. Yeah. And and the vibration will be delivered wherever you need. So that's why this is the our very first device, which has gone through nine years of uh, improvements. And this one's called Crescendo? Yeah. Okay. And the idea is you to know take it to a peak, you know, like to improve your health and get you to peak health because crescendo in music means the peak of music so oh, our goal wow. is with this we know we want to take you to your peak sexual health i love that you really put some thought into all of this and how you name the just everything you're very deliberate so i've heard you also say or i probably read in one of the articles that it's also useful for menstrual cramps and now i'm past that phase of my life but i recall the cervical pain Tremendous, tremendous pain that I had every single month. Um, can you tell us how that is? How does it alleviate some yeah. of the pain? So um, it's a slightly different shape. So you'd have to bend it like this shape. Yeah, so it's a curve. Mm -hmm. And then place it on the lower abdomen um, at a low frequency. So the diff main difference is the uh, for arousal, uh, it's a much higher power. So there are 16 levels. So you would set it to whatever you are com comfortable and is arousing. And then for pain relief, uh, especially on the lower abdomen, you would just literally place it like this on your tummy uh, and then at a low intensity uh, over a long time. Um, oh and then gosh. the vibration will uh, reduce the pain. And and this is not um, anything new. So, for example, Theragun uh, is mm -hmm. basically a big vibrating machine. And if you use it on your back, it will alleviate back pain. Um, so vibration generally is used for any pain relief. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, I had never thought about that. I remember the, the, uh, heating pads, mm -hmm. uh, that I would use and all of that. I never thought about vibration, but it makes sense mm -hmm. if we do that for other areas of our bodies, like our shoulders, our back, the why not yep. like the belly or that cervical, um, pelvic mm -hmm. area that is awesome. Yep. So exactly. I was so wondering. The fundamentals are really simple. Yeah. Well, it sounds here, uh, for example, uh, I wanted to go over some of these, um, how like even Crescendo can support all of this. But so there are a couple of things that we're looking at. We're looking at blood flow, but we're also mm -hmm. looking at it as the muscle. And I didn't know this. So if you want to say more, I didn't know that we could atrophy down there. <laughs> yeah, but um, the thing is atrophy is basically dryness. So, um, ah, okay. So, so it can. 
happen uh, for various reasons. So, for example, one of the studies we are currently running in Berlin uh, at Charity Hospital is about uh, for is for it is to help women post chemotherapy recover arousal, yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. and dress dryness. So that can happen as a result of chemotherapy generally, which can happen as a result of uh, loss of um, hormones from menopause. So, so that is, you know, it's quite common. Actually, it's probably almost always uh, as a result of menopause. Um, but equally, the pelvic floor uh, can get weak over the years, like unless you exercise it, which not many people do. It's not that common a thing for people to do just exercise the pelvic floors, which obviously, you know, you'd be told if you go to a therapist, but not many people go to a therapist. And that can lead to incontinence. It's a very different issue from, say, pelvic pain from uh, childbirth. But both of them kind of come from the same thing in terms of pelvic floor getting weak. Yeah. And uh, the so you will see there's a lot of discussion now about how women can keep their pelvic floor healthy or improve their health if it has deteriorated in order to uh, reduce their chances of incontinence as they age. So, so there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of discussions now, uh, luckily, which didn't happen, you know, when we started nine years ago. It was like you'd have to educate everybody about even little things in sexual health, but it's it's changed a lot. I I must say that in the nine years we've seen a huge improvement in the conversations that are happening mm-hmm. uh, across the yeah. world in female health. Yeah. I think also just sort of like how we're starting to have more conversations about mental health, that Mm -hmm. perhaps that also helps us with our overall wellness, which includes sexual health. And there is a lot of trauma that you probably are familiar with that women have undergone when it comes to their sexuality that could cause them to want to just run away from all of this Mm -hmm. overall. So we still, you know, encourage people to to do the best that they can or to work with a coach to help them through some of those issues. But you've also said this can, you know, your medical devices can help people in relationships or not in mm-hmm. relationships. As a matter of fact, uh, one thing that is important to your company is inclusivity. So I was wondering if you can talk about that. Have you been able to create products that work for every everybody, every shape? Um, that's such a good point. So um, I'll talk about something very simple to start with to explain. When we first made Crescendo, um, we made the buttons flush because it looked pretty. And then a lot of people emailed us, a lot of the customers emailed us saying, you know, it's quite difficult for me to use it because the buttons are too small. Uh, you know, I have dexterity issues, my you know fingers uh, shake and can you do something about it? So now all our products come with big raised buttons where you can feel them even in the dark and you can press them really easily with, with very easy to click. So, you know, something as simple as accessibility. Oh, the other thing we changed is we made them, made it all USB connected uh, charging because we used to have wireless charging before and uh, it was uh, it was not usable at all. Like people, like, wireless charging hasn't really caught on. You know, even Apple has made it magnetic because you know how to attach it and it attaches. Otherwise, what would happen, and it's happened to a lot of my friends, is even their phone, they would keep it on the wireless charger, but it's not aligned and they'll wake up in the morning and the phone has no battery. So the wireless charging, from a usability perspective, never really got there. And we had exactly the same issue. So we, we, we constantly, uh, we're only constantly um, looking for uh, UX things in every way we can make it easier for our users, especially, you know, our 70-year-old customers who don't want a lot of tech. They just want something to work. You know, press a button, turn it on, use it, benefit from it, and then that's it. Um, so that's one part of it. The other part is um, just gen- generally, how can we focus on solving problems and be anatomy-specific, not gender-specific? So, so this device, for example, all it does is mimics your hand so just like you could use your hand for any 
for any part of your body, uh, whether it is to uh, stimulate the labia or vulva in order to create arousal without inserting anything because of dryness, or to reach much deeper inside where you have pain but you can't with your fingers, you know, or uh, stimulate uh, from uh, so like one of the in um, studies we are working on is a spinal injury where the uh, vagina uh, and the clitoris is not aroused by stimulating them but uh, the doctors are testing local induction where they're stimulating the breasts which is still connected by nerves and feels arousal and at the same frequency stimulating the genitals and then creating that loop so that the uh, breast arousal can infer an arousal into the vagina and uh, create wetness. So, but, you know, to, to go back to the point, so this device can be whatever you need your fingers to be extend, uh, an extended version um, for any gender, gender and orientation because all we focus on is the anatomy and the biology of things and how, how effective can we be at delivering the right frequencies. That makes a lot of sense to make it focused uh, when it comes to the anatomy and what it and how it can help a body, for example, achieve orgasm. I wonder if you could tell us if you know the statistics of how how difficult is it in general for women to achieve orgasms. Oh, I, um, the, the statistics in sexual health are so underreported. Uh, whatever, and also it it varies so much between. Uh, demographics like you know the data that you would get in uh, north america because people are more willing to share will be way better quality than the data you get in asia where no one wants to share generally um you know like india no one would talk about this um so um uh, but i think generally the stat that i know of is nine out of ten women need clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. And th that has been documented in quite a lot of diverse journals. So I think that is a stat that we generally look to as being reasonably accurate. And it's really that 10% who can orgasm through vaginal stimulation alone. So what happens as a result of that is um, the orgasm gap where uh, because the the penis can orgasm purely through the stimulation of the glands so during intercourse the penis will get stimulated and it would orgasm where, generally uh, whereas the penis stimulating the vagina is generally not usually not enough to create an orgasm so so that that's where the gap comes from uh, in the 90%, the 9010, right? What that led to is one of the devices we created, which was for the penis to wear it. Uh, let me see, I have it here. So, so imagine this is the penis. Yeah. So it's a device which is stretchy. Yeah. It is, it's made of stretchy material. Uh, and it's to sit on the penis. Uh, it's designed for erection. Um, it first sits on the head to create an erection and then the penis slides in and it sits on the base to constrict the blood flow so the erection stays and then the front has a lot of this very powerful 360 stimulation so that goes on the labia and clitoris and creates that arousal for the partner so this device is uh, very popular amongst our uh, menopause couple segment because the the guy would wear it and the lady would get the stimulation during intercourse which they need even more um as they age yeah fascinating is that the same device that helps men then with erectile dysfunction Correct. that's yeah so this design, device is designed for ed but mm -hmm. with the uh, secondary effect of mm -hmm. stimulating the partner so so this was this is published in the journal as an ed device um so that's what its main purpose is but its wow. secondary purpose is to create the arousal so it's called tenuto 
Yeah, fascinating. I love this. The, I can see how both, um, you know, how your devices can help a couple enrich their sexual life. I mean, they do say that many people are sexually active when they get older, but um, maybe, you know, they could enhance their experience with your devices as well uh, so that they can reduce some of that pain that uh, can be prevalent at an older age. So um, what other, I don't know if I covered everything else in terms of other conditions, but mainly, you know, you have the pelvic floor issues, you have vaginal dryness. What other things do women deal with? Period pain, obviously, you talked about incontinence as well, mm-hmm. uh, yes. which is a different, uh, so we, we haven't done any studies on it. So what we um, what we can talk about when it comes to you know uh, externally in marketing etc is what we know works and is proven and is published um so for example the uh, the uh, spinal cord injury one i was talking about that's still research in pros- in progress and it will probably take another year or two years and till we know for sure that the local loop theory works we we, can, we don't really know you know, whether it's stimulating mm-hmm. one part of the body, which is connected to the brain and is erogenous, would infer sim- stimulations on another part, which is not uh, connected to the brain. So um, the other thing we haven't talked about is uh, valvodonia and vaginismus. And mm-hmm. um, so valvodonia is pain of the vulva, which we are running a study on with NHS, which is the National Health Service in UK. Um, it's a very long trial. It's been three years and it should finish this year. And it, it will be a very exciting study where it's the first time that vibrators have been used to address vulva pain. And, and that should, that paper should be published later this year. So that's one uh, topic. The other topic of vaginismus, uh, it's not something we work on because it's a very different, uh, issue. So especially when it comes to dilation, um, dilations falls under a different category. Uh, which is quite intrusive and it needs generally needs prescription from a doctor and you can't um, buy it or you can't just, you know, decide to buy it uh, over the counter. So so that's a very uh, nuanced area of sexual health because normally with sexual health, most things are OTC, including tablets like Viagra. You can buy them online, filling up a questionnaire, but with um, vaginismus, uh, because it is not that well understood, Obviously, there is uh, quite a lot of literature out there, but by the public, when I when I say well understood, something like ED, you know, erection issues, the person experiencing experiencing it will know, you know, they they have it and they want to do something about it, and they, there's enough awareness they know where to find solutions. But with vaginismus, the person might not really know one what is vaginismus and to that they have it, uh, they might have painful sex for reasons they don't understand. And unless they go to the right specialist, because they might go to someone uh, who isn't, you know, um, trained in sexual medicine, um, and they might not uh, diagnose correctly. So vaginismus is very complicated, and creating dilators is also very complicated. So that's not that's an area we haven't done any research in. What else in female sexual health? I guess female health generally, there's a lot of stuff around fertility, around uh, pregnancy, post-pregnancy care. And there's a lot of uh, good work going on in that segment when it comes to fertility, uh, childbirth and post-childbirth. Breast bumps, how can they be better in terms of uh, reducing mastitis, for example? or better education, so um, mom can figure out when there are things they need to do to look after their uh, breasts better, reduce the chances of pain, um, which actually is not that dissimilar to prostatitis. And uh, and obviously, that's a big issue. And one of the devices we are working on, which will come out later this year, is to help urologists reach and stimulate prostates to release secretions uh, because men above 50 are suggested that they should go for annual prostate checkup um, but not everyone does so one of the 
things we are creating with the urologist now is something which is very simple, very slim, small, easy to use, not scary, because that's the biggest problem in prostate is um, men are scared of going for a prostate exam and they just avoid it. And, And sometimes, sadly, they only detect cancer when it's too late. So if we can make it, one, explain why it's important, and two, make it pleasurable, so they actually want to look after their prostate and just generally improve prostate health, then hopefully we can reduce this, reduce the chances of prostate cancer. But obviously that needs to be proven through studies. But um, that's the theory, that if you improve your prostate health generally, you should have lower cancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And also, I, I sort of wanted to add that in terms of um Kind of, you know, an overall sense of wellness is that one of the benefits of having an orgasm, at least for women, <laughs> is the re- the release of the feel good hormone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yep. we just sen- have a sense of, of just kind of being of releasing some of that tension that can help us to kind of you said earlier about, you know, that advertisement you saw about the woman drinking the tea and, and talking about using the device. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to start the day. That's so true. So there is, uh, so there's so much uh, research on this. Uh, in you know, like on Mayo Clinic's website, WebMD uh, headline on all the scientifically proven benefits of orgasm because of exactly that. The hormones it releases, oxytocin, endorphins, and and it helps not just with uh, improved uh, mental health, which obviously it does, but improved immunity. So it makes you healthier and less likely to get ill, um, improve sleep, improved mm-hmm. uh, mental health. So there's just so many uh, true clinically proven benefits to orgasms and why it is a health, as it's equally a health thing as it is a pleasure thing. And, and, and there is some really interesting research on how orgasms can help someone's struggling with depression get over depression mm. um the fascinating research on yeah. uh, and it's 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 a kind of a uh kind of tricky because when you're on antidepressants your desire goes down really a lot and you don't want to have anything mm. fun uh mm. and you don't want to orgasm but the reverse is if you do it might actually help you get over depression so um orgasms have such massive health benefits um and again you know that is another way to really make all of this all of sexual health uh, less uh cd and more scientific and more approachable where even something which seems to be frivolous orgasms is actually not and very health driven. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, Doctor Sam, I was also wondering. You, we've touched on these topics throughout the conversation, but if you could speak about any challenges or obstacles that the sexual wellness industry is facing, and how Mystery Vibe is working to overcome them, and even so, like even with healthcare providers, which we also um, already spoke on, but. Um, how healthcare providers and clinicians can better address the sexual needs of their patients. In other words, like how can we get this conversation going with our yeah. our doctors so that it's a little bit more comfortable? I know that they sometimes ask, "Are you sexually active?" and so, "Are you using contraceptive contraceptions yeah. or um, birth control?" And then it just mm-hmm. and and that's it. And then you wonder, why did you even ask that? <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the, I'll answer the second question first. A lot of the doctors we work with um, have become educators, uh, and the reason they have done that, and I'm talking about sexual health doctors who are very well trained in every all of these sexual health issues, uh, whether they're OBGYNs, urologists, andrologists, um, pelvic floor therapists, menopause specialists, all of them have now expanded their scope of their day, uh, which is already very busy, from not just looking after the patients, but also going out and educating people uh generally and um 
and and doctors as well and the way they're doing that apart from you know some uh sessions formal sessions is uh social media uh, mm-hmm. so many of the doctors it's particularly in sexual medicine are on twitter on tiktok on instagram doing videos explaining uh really complicated topics in very simple ways um making it approachable not just to other doctors who are not from sexual health so that when like um, general medicine so that they know where you know what to look out for and to refer to the right people because uh, that's really all we need from the first point of contact but equally teaching the public you know like the topic of vaginismus is how would you even know that you should go to a doctor what what are the things that can possibly be causing that issue um and 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 again doing all of that from a very approachable way that you don't need a medical degree to understand so that's uh, the key i think uh, it has to come from the experts to the masses um for it yes. one to be taken seriously and to to get the right information um and and then the first question is about so the, i think the biggest challenge in sexual health is funding generally uh because it's still a very nascent industry is still quite um unknown uh, as a sector there hasn't really been many big companies there has been hims hims and hers which is uh, a unicorn or was and uh, ro um similar company also unicorn so there has been a few now in the last 5 years but basically if you think in the last decade there hasn't been that many that much stuff in sexual health so it's still a nascent industry investors are starting to understand it better uh there's still a lot more knowledge and to see a lot more success for them to invest as much as they say they met in a banking company or a finance company so uh i think that is the biggest challenge especially in devices because devices is one of those areas where you need a lot of investment for a long time before you can sell anything so you need to design it build it manufacture it get compliance electronic get medical compliance get registrations do your medical studies do the, get the trials uh do the publication and you know that could easily be 5 to 6 7 years right and and once you get to the point you then you can sell and you know be profitable but till then you need to raise a lot of money to build devices so so that's probably one of the main reasons why there isn't much in terms of medical devices in sexual health is because you need significant capital to get to the point where it can reach even one customer and that mountain that overcoming that mountain is impossible without capital and yeah. and unless there is you know like say 10 million dollars of seed capital for a medical device company which is fine if you're in most sectors like let's say you're doing something in heart disease you know you go to someone if if it's legitimate and you have the right people on board it shouldn't be a problem raising money for heart disease but if you're in sexual health you you kind of have to explain the whole journey just like a doctor has to explain to the masses or to other doctors who are not from sexual health you have to explain why it matters like and how many people does it even affect um so you know there's a very simple stat which is 86% of i think 86% of mums have pelvic pain yeah new mums mm. uh, which is literally you know pretty much everyone mm-hmm. and most you know the investor you're talking to either they have a kid you know is a mum or is with a mum right so mm-hmm. it's not that far off to relate but the thing is uh, and that's the job of people like us is to tell the story and explain why it matters like there's 1.2 billion women in the world with menopause mm-hmm. that's a huge population yeah right and that's why it matters um 50% of men above 40 have ED right with again mm-hmm. talking about billions of people so that's why it matters but i don't think people realize it till they learn it if you don't tell people they just don't know and yeah. um 
and and it, it's irrespective of gender because you know you might have experienced pelvic pain but maybe you thought oh that's just me you know it doesn't happen to mm-hmm. anyone else because right. if you don't talk about it you would assume no one talks about it which means no one has it right which is the problem with having some of these topics become so taboo is that we don't mm-hmm. talk about it and it also is a change in in how previous generations have endured a lot of um hardships and pain because they don't share these things so for yep. example what you shared about women who have given birth having pelvic pain that's new to me and it's new to me because no one talks about it just mm-hmm. like you just said so I'm so happy that you were here on the show to talk about this and hopefully we can help normalize and give women the tools that they need to overcome some of this pain. Could you share with us, Dr. Sum, what's the best way for women to learn about your devices? Are you available, reachable? And um, uh, do you have an Instagram account or social media in general? Yes, everything. So it's all mystery, very very simple. Mystery as in M-Y-S-T-E-R-Y bringing the mystery back in the bedroom, mysteryvibe.com, uh, mysteryvibe on Instagram, social, Facebook, everywhere. All social media is the same for us. So all the information that I was talking about, we write it as very actionable content, you know, like bullet points, which is on our blog. It's again on mysteryvibe. So it's on our blog. The devices have lots of explainers. There's, you know, doctor's videos, general diagrams to explain what each of these are. And yeah, you know, if anyone wants to contact, my email is som at mysteryvibe.com. Wonderful. We'll add all those links in the show notes. And also, I'm going to include some of those articles that uh, your team shared with me, because I think those also help to see how important it is uh, that we just kind of normalize this and see that there's a medical aspect to it. And also, your website is beautiful. The devices, again, are not non-threatening, colorful, very appealing to women, I think. And just people who just like to have fun and enjoy devices in various ways. Thank you again, Dr. Sam, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, friends, that is all for today's episode on women's uh, sexual health. We hope that you enjoyed learning about how vibrators can be used as a therapeutic tool to uh, support women's sexual health. A big thank you to Dr. Sam, the co-founder of Mystery Vibe, for sharing his knowledge and expertise with us. And if you want to learn more about Mystery Vibe's products and how they can help you with sexual wellness, head on over to his website. Again, it's mysteryvibe.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe and leave a review so that other people can learn about it. And uh, we'll see you soon again with more episodes related to women's health. Again, thank you for being a listener. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening. Thank you.